Welcome to episode 56 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 56 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am doing fabulously. How about you? I'm good. Why? What's so fabulous? Well, it's just beautiful spring. I have three more weeks to teach. We did a real quick trip to Savannah and Hilton Head for the weekend and just got back. So I had some sand between my toes and just everything good. I love I love warm weather. I love the sun. I love the heat. Good thing I live in the south. <laughs> I've been to Savannah once. I remember, did you go to like downtown Savannah or is that completely different? Well, my, that's, yeah. Well, we were, you know, the, the old part, the historic part, because my son goes to college there at SCAD, which is Savannah College of Art and Design. And it was parent weekend. So we, we went down just for, to see him for a little bit on Saturday and um, walked around the old, old part, the cobblestone streets and that sort of thing. Yeah, I just remember. I think, is that, is the city like on a, a river? Yes, it's on the Savannah River. It's right there. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember I saw lots of ads for ghost tours and I'm really oh, yeah. into that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> One of the dorms at SCAD is, they say it's the, got the, it's the most haunted place in Savannah. I mean, I doubt that it is, but <laughs> that's oh, really? what the students say. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's an old, you know, it's right there in the old part. So. Yeah. Oh, I would want to. That's cool. that one (laughs) yeah I would I love I love actually one of the first projects that I did when I first um graduated from college was I filmed a ghost hunting pilot oh that's fun I remember I got cast in it and I was like oh am I gonna be scared like it's gonna be but um it was not scary okay it was very (laughs) I want. I do wonder, but you know all those shows where they like go in the the ghost hunting, like they go in the right. scary places. I do yes. wonder if if any of them, like especially the reality TV type ones, if any of them are actually like really really scary. I don't know, but I can't watch those because they're too scary to even watch. Oh, <laughs> I'm a big baby. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I don't like to be scared. <laughs> so, but no, Savannah's gorgeous, and then we just went out right up to Hilton Head and just. We're there briefly, but it's just, it's a quick trip from one to the other. And then back home, all the way back home, though, it's so funny. From Hilton Head to Augusta, we went this back way, and it's all like, like we saw like so many cows, <laughs> and we had no no cell service. It was so bad that my Apple CarPlay that has like the Apple map on it, like went away because it couldn't get any service, and all we saw was like a gray screen. So we had to switch over to GPS, but it was funny. We were literally in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> smelly from the cows well we we didn't smell the cows we were in the car but (laughs) there were lots and lots of cows and pastures and fields and sounds pretty (laughs) it was it was very pretty so what's up with you I see that you're in your new place I am I'm just trying to tackle I've been here about a week and there's just so much I'm finally going through everything like all my stuff throwing everything away I've been listening to the life-changing magic of tidying up. Oh, have yeah, you heard I've of heard it? Of that. I have heard of that. Have you yes. read it? I have not read it. I'm pretty tidy, and I'm also a big like I've I've been getting rid of lots of things. So I think that it's it's already in my philosophy. I'm not a minimalist exactly. No, far from it. But I, I like the ideas 
of keeping it simple. Yeah, it's really helpful. And I took a lot of notes <laughs> that I'm going to give to my mom for when they move again in Georgia. But basically, it, it's made me want to throw everything away. Oh, like, yeah, I just want to throw it. everything away now. It's really yeah. helpful. Her main, yeah. her main thing is you basically – is it you keep things that give you joy? Yeah. So like her her one, her big thing is basically just try to throw away everything. <laughs> and then um, you pick up like each item one by one. I haven't gotten to this stage yet. But I'm still in the like just discard everything at first phase and organize. But um, when you get to the deciding phase, you pick up the item and you say, does this bring me joy or does this spark joy? And if it doesn't, it's out. But I really am throwing away things, but sometimes it takes a few rounds. I'll have an item and I'll be like, no, I'll keep it. And I'll go do other things and then I'll think about it and then I'll come back to it and I'll be like, no, I'll keep it. And I go do other things and then I'll come back a third time and I'll be like, okay, it's, it's gone. gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've learned a lot. <laughs> but That's um, fun. Yeah, I'm doing that in my classroom because, of course, I'm packing everything up. Then I'm not taking a lot with me. So, <laughs> yeah, it feels so good to like give everything. I you mean, like just... I had this big wooden apple that was like, "You're my favorite teacher." That somebody gave me years ago, and I like was I was like, "What do I do with this big wooden apple?" And so I handed it to a third grader that was in my class, and I said, "Who is your favorite teacher? Not me. Someone else. Who is your oh. favorite teacher?" And he said, "Mrs. Smith." And that sounds made up, but there really is a teacher, Mrs. Smith, that's across the hall. <laughs> and he said, "Mrs. Smith." I said, "Go give her this." <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. See, so he did. <laughs> see, that author would love you. Yeah, that's like one. That's one of her things is um, the problem of trying to keep like you keep things because somebody gave it to you, so you right. feel like you have to keep. You know, yeah. like you feel like you have to keep it. Right. Um, she's like, that's not a reason. No. <laughs> and then also she said things that you bought that you, you, you didn't really use or she's like, no, like it served its purpose. It's okay to get rid of it. Right. Just do yeah, it. I'm, I'm good at that. <laughs> I'm good at that. <laughs> but I'm not going to have like a teacher shrine in my home, you know, after I retire with all the teacher decoration stuff. So all that stuff is definitely going to go. <laughs> Well, yeah, what I did actually, I think I might, might have talked about this before, but I took, I've been taking pictures of everything. Right. And I'm going to make like a scrapbook. Oh, that's so then, good. you can look at then you that. can actually, you can actually look at it. It makes more sense in a way. Yeah. So that's been like really helpful. It's like, okay, I'll take a picture and then toss it. Yeah. I'm so good at tossing things that we went back for our 30th um, sorority reunion kind of a thing at my college. And, like, my friends saved their bid-day T-shirts and all sorts of things. I threw those out years ago. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, I wish I had saved those. They would be sparking joy now. <laughs> but at the time, I guess I was over them. I don't know. <laughs> what I'm doing with my T-shirts, actually, um, I've gathered, like, all my T-shirts from life, basically, and especially when I went home to my home in Memphis. And um, – I'm going to make them into one of those t-shirt blankets oh, yeah. where they cut out like the squares. Yeah. Well, I wish I had some of those t-shirts because people were wearing the old ones. And I was like, oh, I, I was like the opposite of joy. I was really sad that I threw them away. But who knows? It was some point when I moved in the past. Well, <sighs> Live and <alrighty>. learn. <laughs> Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. Let's get started. All right. The first thing we have is some listener feedback. And it is, the subject is Shoes for Jen, and this is from Ruth. So I'm going to read this. It says, hi, ladies. I'm listening to an episode from last fall, and Jen mentioned that she has a hard time with shoes due to her narrow heels. That is so true. Jen, have you ever tried Vibro Barefoot Shoes? They make lots of different styles. They all have wide toe boxes, as they believe this allows the foot to be in its most natural functional form. Side note, my husband and I both wear minimal or barefoot shoes. Don't worry, there are lots of styles other than that one with the toes. Yeah, my um, side note from me, my son that's a freshman in college now went through a phase where he wore those shoes. <laughs> Have you ever worn them? I had a friend who wore them. Yeah, the ones with the toes. 
They looked really weird. And here's a little unexpected thing people don't know. They smell after a while. Maybe that was just oh, really? my, my son. I don't know. He wore them without socks. They smelled so bad. But that might just be him. But um, I was like, get those shoes out of here. <laughs> but he loved them. Then and, and he wore them around. I think they're very comfortable. All right. So back to this. It says, um, particularly when we exercise, she wears those shoes. Sometimes they are also called low profile. They are so good for your feet and body, like going barefoot, which I know you love. Yes, I am barefoot right now. All of those thick-soled, gel air, built-up, etc. shoes take away from your foot's natural form, like what would happen if you pushed up on the bottom of the arch in a cathedral, say. It would collapse. We are doing the same thing to our feet. My father-in-law has bizarrely, obviously flat feet, and I really believe that it's because from the time he was a toddler, as he told me, He's been wearing supportive shoes all the time, inside and out. I'm a jogger, not a runner, and my comfort and endurance has really improved in the years since I made the switch. I personally prefer Merrill Barefoot shoes with the Vibram, Vibram sole. I found the Vibro Barefoot shoes are either too long or too short for my foot. My husband, who was 20 years in the U.S. Air Force, was plagued by shin splints to the point that he was constantly on and off profiles where they do your physical fitness requirements omitting certain exercises, in his case, running. Every time he tried to start running again, he got shin splints. He switched to minimal shoes and has never had them again. He runs almost daily and has done several half marathons. We know of a man who switched and his shoe size went down a full size because his arch healed. We need a strong arch for healthy walking, standing, running, and jumping. Our two sons wear shoes like Converse All-Star sneakers or I don't know what that other brand name is. What is that? Um, he, I don't know. Play. PLA plays. I'm not sure what that brand is, but that, that just could mean I'm so like out of date. I have no idea. Plays <laughs> for the same reason. No clunky soles for them. When they aren't running around barefoot, I still want them to be able to feel their feet and have good function. You can find barefoot shoes that aren't exercise shoes. They're cute, casual styles, even boots. One more random thing since you're a teacher. Did you see the study, American, I'm pretty sure, or maybe out of UK, that found that school children were more focused and attentive with fewer behavior problems when they changed from their shoes into slippers when they got to school and the school stayed cleaner? Sorry this turned into the, to a letter. Love you guys, Ruth. Now, um... That's funny because as a teacher myself, of course, I allow my children to take their shoes off in the classroom all day long. Like, they can take their shoes off. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I'm walking around barefoot. They're walking around barefoot <laughs> in the classroom. It's really funny. One teacher came in my room one day, and she was like, you're walking around the classroom barefoot? That is so gross. I'm like, well, I would walk on the beach barefoot. What's the difference? I mean, I think my classroom <laughs> probably is cleaner than that. I don't know. <laughs> but it's a very good point. Yeah, we we're relaxed. We take our shoes off. We're barefoot. But I appreciate the um the the suggestions, Ruth. I'll look into those. But really, I'm I'm mostly if I'm at the house, I am pretty much barefoot unless it's like winter, and e then I put on my my Uggs. They're comfy. <laughs> and since I'm not going to have to go to work in professional shoes, I figure I'm going to be twenty four seven Uggs or barefoot, like depending on what time of the year it is. All the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I also have weird – this is just a side note about me. My feet get cramps in them when I wear socks. Have I said that before on the air? No. Yeah. I can't wear socks anymore. I don't know why. It just – I noticed a, a – well, I like if I have certain boots that I'm wearing that I wear with socks, they make my feet – by the end of the day, at night, my foot will start cramping up. But when I wear shoes that I don't have to wear socks with, my feet don't cramp up. And if I wear socks around the house during the day, my feet cramp up. It's like they press too hard on my feet. My feet want to be free. That's weird. Yeah, so I just let them. I let them be free. Uggs don't do that. <laughs> my feet feel very like like just themselves inside those. Almost like I'm not wearing shoes. So that was a good tip for everybody. Protect your arches. Let them do their job. Do you have any any comments on that? I was thinking um, she was talking about being like, how the natural is better I actually just ordered a new mattress all organic mattress with no no like problematic off-gassing material or anything like that and it smells like a goat because apparently oh my gosh the, <laughs> because <laughs> apparently 
you have to have a flame retardant in mattresses uh, legally. And so, like, I guess the only legal organic flame retardant that people can, that they can use is goat. It's it's like goat wool. Oh, my gosh. So it smells like a goat. I, Last night, I, I came yesterday. I, it really does smell like a goat? It does. And at first I was like, oh, this is kind of rustic and cool. But then all last night I was like, goat, goats, goats. Oh my gosh, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Awful. So if like, if you start to smell like a goat. (laughs) No, it's bad. And especially because I hadn't put the sheets on yet because it came late. And I was like, I'll just, you know, deal with that tomorrow. It's pretty bad. You're gonna have to, but but <laughs> but I have a I have a mattress protector, okay. and then I have like sheets that I'm gonna put on. Yeah. So I'm hoping. And people say the goat smell goes away. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna be but waiting for a follow up on this one. <laughs> I will let you know next week. It might be. I I one of the reasons I bought this mattress was their return policy. Well, a, it was the only slightly affordable mattress like that was less than you know fifteen hundred dollars that was all organic and everything and um their return policy is you don't ship it back if you don't like it you find a charity to give it to and then they refund you okay a that's awesome and then b worst case scenario i can have one of those charities that will pick it up yeah you know so i won't have to like take it (laughs) do you have to add a warning like (laughs) warning it smells like a goat (laughs) (laughs) My room, my whole room smells like a goat now. <laughs> oh, I would like to see what my cats would do with that. Would they be it's, it's, but the reason I brought it up was it's firmer than right. my other mattress. And I read, I was also reading that firmer mattresses are better for um, your, actually it's like better for your form and I everything. I think so too, yeah. Like apparently sleeping on the floor is like great if you can do that, but. I, I do think that. firmer is better because otherwise it's not nat- – I don't know. I just – I don't feel great when I sleep on something that's not firm. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get used to the firmness and the goat. Yeah. But <laughs> that. So, so next week I'll let you know uh, okay. if the mattress is still with us because <laughs> um, it's a bit much. Okay. Uh, on that note, let's move into the questions. <laughs> Alrighty. So to start things off, we have a lot of questions about serapeptase. Um, I was I was go- I was gonna do just one question that came in recently, and then I was like, I'll see how many serapeptase questions we have in the lineup, and we had a lot. So I'm just going to um, go through them all as quickly as possible, and we can just tackle the serapeptase issue, and then if you ever have a serapeptase question, feel free to keep them coming, and we'll keep addressing them. So first question from Carla. Subject, serapeptase. Hello, Jen and Melanie. I love, love, love your podcast. There are so many wonderful pointers that I have taken from these episodes. I've been doing IF for a couple of years now. I have celiac disease, and with that, leaky gut. I cannot find any doctors that could help me fix my absorption of nutrient issues like iron, vitamin B, D, etc. The normal things for people with celiac were not working for me, so I started doing my own research and testing. Yay, I'm an advocate of that, by the way. Um, That brought me to IF. IF has been a miracle for me. I can now keep up my levels without having to have mass infusions. Yay. IF and fasting in general have greatly improved my health. Your podcast has helped me tweak my IF lifestyle to make it even better. Okay, to my questions. I played around with taking serapeptase. I know this should be taken in the fasted state. Once I take it, how long should I remain in the fasted state? I was thinking of taking it at 6.30 a.m. and I normally open my five-hour window at 7.30 a.m. Is that enough time for the pill to work its magic? I do a 19.5 fast. During the fast, I'll have black coffee or water. I also follow the circadian rhythm fast. Normally, this is not a problem. From 6 o'clock p.m. to 6 a.m., I have only water, nothing else. From 6.01 a.m. to 7.30 a.m., I will have water, coffee, and supplements allowed during the fast, then my eating window, followed by coffee, water, until 6 p.m. Because I also follow the circadian rhythm, I, pr- I would prefer not to have to take the serapeptase until 6 or 6.30 a.m., but that limits the time I would have before breaking my fast. 
I will adjust as needed depending on how much time I should have between the serapeptase and the food. Sorry if you've already answer, answered this. Sorry if you have already answered this question. I've listened to all of your episodes. It was a lot of information. I might have missed it. Thank you for making my drive to work a little more enjoyable. And normally I read them all at first, but I think we should probably go yeah, ahead and one adjust by one. this one. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a good idea. All right, so um, we're going to add something to the um, to the show notes for this episode. I found a website that might be useful. It's called serapeptase.org, and it has links to <laughs> the research and questions and things like that. That might be a good place to get started if you want to learn about serapeptase. Um, there's a lot of information out there about it. Basically, if you're thinking about taking serapeptase, don't take it just because Melanie and I both discovered that we both take it. You know, that's not the reason to take it. Um, and I am absolutely not saying that is what is happening here. So not, I'm not saying that. But everybody who's hearing us talk about it, don't think that this is just everybody should go take this. You need to have like a reason, something that you know that you're taking it for. For me, it was uterine fibroids. And um, I think it made a big difference. It could have also been intermittent fasting that made a big difference. I'm not really sure. But they both, you know, I've had a lot of relief in my symptoms. I do intermittent fasting and I take serapeptase. So it's hard to know exactly what the cause is. Um, as far as what serapeptase does, it really, you know, when you read a description of what serapeptase does, it sounds an awful lot like what autophagy does. Have you ever thought that, Melanie, when you were reading it? That is so true. I mean, I, I just, every time I read what serapeptase does, it just, because serapeptase um, is an enzyme and it's produced by the, I guess, the silkworm and they produce it for dissolving their cocoon. So it, um, it goes around and dissolves non-living proteins like, like the cocoon. So, you know, in our bodies, when we have autophagy going on, our bodies is going around breaking down <laughs> non-essential things, non-essential proteins. So... Very similar, similar kind of um, action, it seems like to me. I mean, maybe someone who studies this would, would be like, oh, my gosh, they're so different. You are clueless. That's possible. They just sound very similar with their actions to me. Um, but because it's, it's dissolving proteins, that's why you don't want to take it with food. Now, I did find a recommendation that said that no food should be consumed within two hours before taking it or for half of an hour after taking it. So it sounds like to me that you're going to be fine if you're eating an hour later, that that would not be a problem. Um, you know, it says to wait 30 minutes. So if you're waiting an hour, that should be sufficient since you're taking it on an empty stomach. It's really important to wait two hours, you know, after eating to take it and then give yourself 30 minutes after taking it. Yeah, because basically we don't want it competing in a way with proteins in our food. So if we take it with food, it's going to just break down our food. And I did find a study that was looking at the absorption rate or how it's absorbed. And basically it's absorbed through the small intestine. So that's why it's important to get the enteric coated capsules that will make their way to the small intestine because interestingly, interestingly, so our stomach is acidic and our small intestine is alkaline. If we take capsules that are gelatin, for example, those would get broken down in the stomach um, because of the acidic nature. Whereas if we get like an enteric coated capsule, those are specifically made to make their way to the small intestine for absorption. And the only study I could find on the actual absorption of serapeptase was done in rats, but they did find that after oral administration, that it was absorbed through the intestines and it's transported directly into the bloodstream. And they found that it actually peaked in the plasma and the, the lymph system afterwards. And they found that it, it peaked about um, a quarter of an hour to half an hour after, after it was taken. So it took about 30 minutes to get into the bloodstream. So I guess, Carla, you should be good if you're taking it at 6.30 and then waiting an hour I think, or but you said Jen. Well, two no, hours. It, no, no, two yeah, hours two before. hours before. Eat. Make sure you you haven't eaten within two hours before and within thirty minutes after. So you need a two and a half hour serapeptase window. <laughs> <laughs> and um, reason, Jen was saying that you need a reason to take it. So reasons to take it. It it's really good for um, for sinuses. I think that's what most people are going to it for. It really clears up 
everything. I stopped taking it as an experiment and now I brought it back and I'm so glad. <laughs> so, okay, next question from Suzanne, subject Sarah Peptase. Hi ladies, I'm Suzanne. I live in the UK. I just started listening to your podcast and I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for all the advice you give. After your podcast on serapeptase, I went out and bought, and bought some. I wake up and have a coffee, black of course, and then I take the tablet. But I've noticed that I'm absolutely starving after about 20 minutes. Could this be breaking my fast? Can't wait to get your reply as I really don't want to break my fast with this. Lots of love. So, breaking the fast. Um, what are your thoughts, Jen? Well, I do think that um, the uh, one question I would have that I, I wish I could ask Suzanne is were you, you know, is this new with the serotipeptase, you know, or did you just start both at the same time? Cause the fasting, I mean, because you drink the coffee and then the take the serotipeptase and then you're starving in 20 minutes. So before you took the serotipeptase, if you were doing everything the same, you know, having the coffee and the only difference is now you're taking the serotipeptase, then yeah, it does sound like the serotipeptase is making you hungry and, um, I don't know. It just depends on if you could just push through it. You know, it doesn't do that to me. So that's why I, it's hard for me to answer this question. It does not make me hungry. I don't feel anything at all after I take it. And I also wonder if maybe you're taking one that does not have the enteric coating, like maybe it's releasing into your stomach or something. And so, um, you may need to double check that and see if the kind you're taking has the enteric coating. And if it doesn't, you're not getting the benefits anyway. So check your brand, see, see how it's coated. What, what were you thinking, Melanie? Yeah, I was going to say check the brand, check the fillers, check the coating. And, but if you, if you can push through it either way, um, I, I wouldn't, I think Probably it's okay. So. Like I, I like I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it. Like breaking the fast, yeah. If you can push through the hunger, I think. The only question would be if you're starving. Yeah, if it really, you know, when something makes you like ravenously hungry and shaky and so hungry, that's a bad sign. I wouldn't have that during fasting. But you know, if if you absolutely find this one's not working for you early in the day, you can take it an hour or a half hour before you open your window and try that. Okie dokie. Next one from Peter. Hi, Jen and Melanie. My serapeptase. Oh, the subject is also serapeptase. I think they all have the same subject. Yeah, I do. Hi, Jen and Melanie. My serapeptase finally arrived from Amazon. I can't wait to test it. He said finally. He must not have Amazon Prime because do you have Amazon uh, yeah. Prime? I've had it since like they first started having it. I love Amazon Prime and I have the Amazon credit card and then I tried Amazon now for the first time yesterday have you tried that is now the one that comes really soon it's it's new it's different than the amazon grocery yes it comes in like yeah we don't hours. have that here in augusta and it seemed really great um it well the, the, i just tried it and they only have it in major cities so they they do have it here in la they'll bring from like whole foods and sprouts so you can do like groceries it's it's for if you like need something right okay now. that's cool is it have like an extra shipping charge? Well, I was going to say that's the thing. There's no shipping charge. So like if you do it within a certain window, um, so it's like, oh, yay. But then you have to do it. You don't have to, but they recommend a tip, which ends up being about the same. Okay. That's still very were... cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And they can do restaurants too, apparently. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. No, we don't have that here and we're probably going to a long time from getting that long time <laughs> so i love amazon i do too and now they have and now that they're linked with whole foods i get five percent back that's cool see yeah i got this is how you know we'll never have it because our whole foods closed in augusta <gasps> oh no we don't have one they had never closed a whole foods ever ever in the history of whole foods and then i think it was right before amazon acquired Whole Foods, they were trying to like... So recent. Yeah, they were trying to get their numbers down. So they closed like 10. And one of them, I guess their least profitable stores, one was Augusta. But we're getting a Sprouts next week. It's opening. Oh, nice. So, That's cheaper. And it's closer to my house. So I'm going to be happy. Do you have a Trader Joe's? No, we don't have that. I'm surprised we're getting a Sprouts. But have you been to a Trader I Joe's? I have. I've been to one. Okay. But yeah, I'm sad we don't have one. 
I think I would like it. I love Trader Joe's. Yeah. I'm going to have to just go to Sprouts because it's closer. Well, Sprouts is nice. They have a lot of nice wine, too. And they have a lot of organic wine. All right, so back to back to Peter. Uh, So he can't wait to test it. One question. Doesn't taking it in the morning break the fast? Not that I'm too concerned about it, but I'm interested in the science behind it. Thanks for your great podcast. Keep up the good work. So I think we sort of addressed that. Um, it's not really breaking the fast because it's getting absorbed in the small intestine, going straight into the bloodstream and the lymph system, and the nature of it isn't really – yeah it's not like food yeah it's actually similar to fasting in a way like jen said so any thoughts no i think that's it i mean i always ask myself you know there this is actually the only thing i take during the fasted state is the serapeptase just because it needs to be taken in the fasted state and so i always balance it with pros and cons like you know is it worth you know, the risk that this might get my digestive system started a little bit from this little pill. But I mean, sometimes you have to take something and you just can't be a hundred percent perfect in the, in the life. Right. So I've never noticed anything negative from it. Now, if it made me starving right afterwards, like Suzanne said, then I wouldn't take it during the fast. If, um, if it made me feel queasy, I wouldn't take it. But you know, there's listeners who have to take certain supplements and medications in the morning or in the fasted state. And so you have to just outweigh, is there a tiny possibility that this might be doing something in my body, you know, disrupting the fast? I mean, I don't know, theoretically, could you think of something, you know, you're putting a solid capsule into your body. But in reality, I think the benefits outweigh that little risk. I agree. Yeah. So. All right. Sonia, so the subject is serapeptase. After listening to your podcast, I started to research serapeptase and think it will benefit me greatly. I have sinus issues, ovarian cysts, and currently am struggling with uterine polyps causing clotting and excessive bleeding. The problem is that I do not swallow capsules. I can swallow small pills no bigger than a round Advil shape. Any suggestions on a brand or where to get what I'm looking for? I also started IF eight days ago and feel amazing on it. I do between 16.8 and 18.6 and haven't lost weight so far, but want to take the process slow and do something that is sustainable in the long run as a lifestyle and not a diet. I mostly eat whole foods and cook from scratch. How long should I give this, pro- how long should I give this protocol before either shortening my window or lowering my carb intake? I haven't been watching my carbs per se, but try to eat higher veggie and protein and lower carb in general. Thanks for all the information and support. Love the podcast. So for her question about serapeptase, I actually didn't research if there is a pill. Yeah, I haven't found any either. I don't think there's a pill because of the nature that that Jen and I were talking about. It needs to be in that enteric coated capsule. So It's going to be big. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be in a capsule. It's not going to be, yeah, like a pill. Yeah. I don't know. Um, And you can't break it up, obviously, because it has to stay coated. So this is just one of those things. I don't know how to solve this one. Yeah, we're not much help there. No, sorry. Google, Amazon. (laughs) Keep Googling. So for Sonia's question about her eating window, so it's only been eight days and you're feeling great. I would keep on keeping on with it for a while. Maybe in a couple of weeks, if you're not seeing any difference, you could try shortening your window or lowering your carb intake. Um, what are your thoughts, Jen? Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, if she just has started, she's still well within the adjustment period. So I wouldn't start to worry about anything for at least three weeks. And, you know, if you're doing 16.8 and 18.6, maybe gradually try to bring it down to 19.5 and see how that goes. But, you know, people do have results on 16.8. You know, I say that a lot of women may not, but that doesn't mean that all of them, you know, have to have a, a shorter window. You know, men generally do better with 16-8 overall than just as a rule of thumb of the people that I've seen. You know, that's not anything that's like scientific. It's just as I've seen, a lot of times we have to have a shorter window. But you'll know over time if it's working. Um, and I wouldn't try to tweak everything at once. Don't like say, now I'm going to shorten my window and I'm going to eliminate carbs. You know, make a small change, see how that goes. Make another small change, give it time, see how that goes. 
Dr. Burt Hearing, who wrote Fast Five and Appetite Correction, he actually says, give any change you make three weeks. You know, I know we're not, that that sounds like a lot of um, time, but we don't, we're not that patient. We like want to make a change and then see a result right away. But, you know, he suggests giving it three weeks just to see what that change does and then make another small change and see how that goes. So, um, as Sonia said in her questions, she wants this to be a long-run lifestyle and not just a diet. So I think that the approach of changing things slowly will really um, fit with that approach, the, the lifestyle, not trying to quick fix or whatever. And, and as far as the lowering carbs, you know, if you feel like having lower carbs as your lifestyle is something you want to do, then tweak that. But again, not necessarily unless you want to, you know, don't think that that is a, a thing you have to do. Like, okay, I want to lose weight. I have to lower carbs. No, you know, I didn't start losing weight till I added back carbs. So not everyone is going to have a magic, you know, weight loss increase just because you lower carbs. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we've had some other episodes before on different tweaks that you can try. So I will put some links to those as well. But like Jen said, you can definitely give it a few weeks first. Um, so if you, for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 56, that's where we'll put links to all these references, all anything we talk about. And if you go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, that's where we put all the stuff we like. And that's where the serapeptase is listed. So speaking of, we still have some more emails about it. If you can believe that. Mary Beth says, I heard of serapeptase yesterday while listening to your podcast. I plan on giving it a try for inflammation. What dose do you recommend? I was thinking of starting at 40,000 daily and titrating up. Is this safe for teenagers with allergies and joint soreness? I was reading reviews on Amazon and several people reported vomiting after taking it for two weeks. Any thoughts on that? Most reviews were favorable. Um, so both Jen and I, I'm assuming Jen, if you, you still take the, we take the 120,000? Yeah. Like the, the high potency. So people do experience some negative side effects from it actually <laughs> found a study and they said that overall the the adverse effects are pretty minimal if you do experience negative effects you obviously don't have to take it yeah do you have any thoughts well i just you know i hesitate don't i don't want to be giving you know medical advice here as we say we're not doctors so you know when you ask is this safe for teenagers is this gonna i, I feel very uncomfortable saying um anything like yes or even no to that question. So this is something, talk to your doctor about it if you have any concerns. You know, as an adult who's trying something on your own self, you know, you're experimenting. But when you're starting to do things with your kids and your teenagers and asking me, you know, I'm not comfortable saying, yes, try it with your teenager or no, don't try it with your teenager. I just can't help you there. So um, that's just my disclaimer there. I, I just don't know. I don't know how it would affect any one person. So as Melanie said, research shows it's generally safe. But, you know, then again, so are peanuts and kids have, you know, bad reactions to those. So not anything is going to be the same for Although I would, all of us. I would, I would oh, Melanie dare, would say I no would, one should have peanuts. but I, I would say peanuts. <laughs> peanuts are one of the most um, moldy foods like, out of all the foods. Yeah, I do great with peanuts. But let's say shellfish then, for example. <laughs> shellfish would be another example. Some people can't do shellfish. Some people can. So it we just we can't know how anybody's going to react to it. So like in some of those Amazon reviews, people had a reaction to serapeptase. Those people probably should not take it. And um, why did they? I don't know. <laughs> and our bodies are complicated. And so we're all different. So please do not think that this is a cure-all that everybody should take. And always talk to your doctor if you have specific questions, especially if you want to use it with kids, because I don't know if there's been any research on it with kids or adolescents. I don't know. Perfect. All right. All right. 
Then Christy says, hi, ladies. So the subject is serapeptase. First, wanted to say how much I love your podcast. I started IF about nine weeks ago, and I love the lifestyle. I'm a 40-year-old healthy female who had about 10 pounds to lose, which I have not been able to get rid of for several years despite healthy eating and exercise. IF was just what I needed to trim down and get back into my jeans. I don't weigh myself, so I'm not sure if I lost the 10 pounds, but I feel awesome. And I do take measurements, and I have lost inches. I started with 16.8, and over time, I've moved to a one-meal-a-day approach. I cannot believe the amount of energy I have. Until you experience it, it's almost hard to, com- to comprehend it's possible by eating one time a day. Thank you for your podcast and both of your books. I love them. My sister also does IF, so having a support system has been great. She is feeling the benefits also. She says, my question is taking serapeptase. I know you take it in a fasted state. However, the instructions say one pill three times a day. Do you take all three doses in the AM or spread it out throughout the day? Thank you again. That's interesting because I don't think mine says Mine that. either. I don't think mine does either. I, I just take one in the morning. Me too. So. Yeah, I just take one in the morning too. So I would actually not I, – I wouldn't want to take it even later because I think it would keep me make me too alert. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know that it makes me alert. I don't know that it does anything like that. Does it? Well, anyway, no, I I don't take three. I, I just take one first thing in the morning. Brush my teeth. I take my serapeptase. I go on. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. And then Lynn, last one, a subject. Oh, the subject is supplement, not serapeptase. <laughs> she says, hi, Melanie and Jen. I was wondering if you could talk more about, ser- about serapeptase. I've ordered some and the reviews are amazing. Well, I think we definitely just did that. And I will say, um, I did find a few other studies on it that I'll just throw out there really quickly. I found one called the effect of the protolytic enzyme serapeptase in patients with chronic airway disease. And because we do talk about how a lot of people use it for sinuses. And I love this study because it's, it's funny to read studies like the wording yeah. of things like like we measured the amount of sputum <laughs> by, is it by sputum weighing. i always thought it was sputum, oh, it sputum? i don't know sputum? I, think it's sputum. I don't know one of those we measured the amount of sputum by weighing part of each sputum sample was weighed and then completely dried and reweighed Ew. <laughs> the, the percentage solid component viscosity and elastic and elasticity of the sputum was measured in any case um that was a human trial and they found that um, serapeptase had a very beneficial effect on mu- on mucus clearance. Well, good. And just to speak to that for one second, when I first started taking it, you know, I'd, I've mentioned I was taking it for uterine fibroids, but I was not expecting it to do anything in my sinuses. I hadn't even hardly read much about it. Just someone suggested, take this if you have fibroids. I was like, I'll try that. And um, it did some a number on my sinuses. Like I had intense, terrible headaches at first. I think it was clearing it all out. And and like I even, I felt really, really like I was getting the flu. And then it passed and then I felt better. But it definitely, and I was like, I was not expecting this. It shocked me. Like I said, I stopped taking it for a little bit and brought it back. And I'm seeing huge difference and yeah. just like brain clarity, especially after I think it's gotten into my system got into has gone into my system yeah but just be aware when you're first starting and if you're taking it um you may you may feel like some negative feelings like I did and I wasn't expecting them but it definitely did something in my sinuses yeah and then I actually found a a rat study um but they were looking at it for treating Alzheimer's disease which is pretty interesting and they found that it significantly affected different factors that would potentially benefit Alzheimer's. Like, for example, it increased BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor, and IGF-1 levels in the brain, and then also reduced levels of, um, like, inflammatory things that happen because they they basically induced Alzheimer's in the rats, which Mm -hmm. is kind of sad. And they found that the serapeptase reduced the, like, the negative things that were happening well, that's good. So that was pretty interesting yeah there's a lot out there about it for people to read if you just do some searching and um go to the websites and see what they have to say about it very very interesting yeah all right, all right well that is we... it this is the serapeptase <laughs> episode <laughs> we I have know. time for a little bit more this is from michelle 
And the subject is, does IF target some areas of fat more than others? And the question is, hello, ladies. Love the podcast. It's the only podcast I go out of my way to listen to every week. Thank you very much, Michelle. We love to hear that. To hear that. I've been IF for four months and have successfully lost the excess weight I was trying to shed. Everything except for my stomach. I am noticeably able to fit into old pants around the hip area, but I have excess stomach that wasn't there when I used to wear these same pants. Is this normal? Should I fast longer? Start working out? Any insight or advice would be much appreciated. All right, I have lots of thoughts about this, but would you like to start, Melanie? You can well, start I'm just like. going to say that you got to give yourself some time. <laughs> you know, you've lost the weight that you're trying to shed. You can fit into the pants, but you still have a little bit around your belly. Your body is going to keep changing over time. You know, one thing about IF is it's not a short-term solution and then you go back to your old way of eating. So I assume, Michelle, that you're going to keep doing intermittent fasting long-term. I'm assuming that you're using it as your lifestyle. And with that in mind, you can rest assured that your body is going to change. You will lose fat um, from your stomach. It just hasn't targeted that yet. So yes, everybody is different. You know, you asked, does IF target some areas of fat more than others? Well, it depends on the person. It's going to get fat from certain places and some people before others. You know, um, for me, I had some areas that were, were last to go. And even, you know, after I got initially to my goal with intermittent fasting in, um, gosh, through over three years ago now, my body has changed a whole lot since, since the past, you know, three years have passed, since the time has passed. So I've continued to lose my, you know, my arms have shaped up. I had a little, you know, the little hanging stuff more so, the little flab areas like right there, my little underarm area was flabbier. You know, I've, I've continued to gone down, gone down cup sizes in my bra. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. Yes, that's going to happen eventually. You know, I've gone from, at one point I was a triple D and now I'm a C cup. So you're, it's going to continue to target the fat that, that your body wants to give up. So give yourself time. Getting to your, your goal in four months is pretty fast. So you've got a lot of time left for it to work on, on those areas. I think right now I'm hoping it's working on my cellulite. That's, that's my goal. <laughs> I'd like for that to get worked on a little bit, but yeah, give your, give your stomach some time. I wouldn't, you know, you're asking, should you fast longer or start working out? No, no, just you. Yes, you can start working out if you would like to, if you enjoy working out, no reason not to, of course, understand that's probably going to make the scale go up as you build muscle and don't, don't think, you know, oh my gosh, I've started working out and I'm gaining weight. Well, you're not gaining fat. You'll be gaining muscle, which of course is heavy because it's dense. And um, no need to do anything special. Just let it happen. Let your body get better. You know, three years is a long time that I've, I've been letting my body get better. And so far, so good. But, you know, do I still have some trouble areas? Yes. You know, I've still got a little bit of my belly I'd like to see get a little smaller. But it's going to do what it does. You can't force it to target a certain area. I like everything you said. And I was going to talk just a little bit about the different types of fat and why it seems that we lose different types at different times. So basically, we have the two main types of fat, visceral fat and subcutaneous fat. So visceral fat, that's the fat that's stored around our organs. And it's the most metabolically active fat, um, which means it's the first. it's actually the first to go and the first to gain, but it's actually the most dangerous because it does surround the organs. So that's what we want to target and that's what we want to lose. So it's, it's good that we can lose that easily. Subcutaneous fat is the fat that's found right underneath the skin. It's the stuff that you can pinch. It's harder to get rid of because it is metabolically inert. It's basically like, not that your body doesn't know what's there, but it's kind of like your body's not actively thinking about it really so it's kind um so it is the last to go and it can be really stubborn for some people to get rid of but I found that IF is great for that that stubborn fat because you will especially if you fast longer and once you cut through your other fat stores you will get to a point where you have to use that fat and your body will turn to it so I think 
IF is like one of the few, maybe like, the, you know, it's like one of the only things that really makes you get to that point where you have to use that fat. And we talked about in the on previous episodes, tips and tricks for breaking through stubborn, stubborn things. <laughs> so I'll put links to that in the show notes. You're, you're seeing progress. So keep on keeping on. Don't stress too much. It'll happen. And also I want to point out, you know, I've told this story before on um, like almost a year ago now when my famous, when I threw the scale away episode, <laughs> but <laughs> I had not weighed in 14 months, but had gone down two jean sizes during that 14 months and was certain I had lost like a ton of weight, like on the scale, like maybe 10 pounds. So, you know, two, two jean sizes. So I got on the scale and it was only two pounds down in those 14 months. So I had lost a remarkable amount of, of size and it, it wasn't showing up on the scale at all. And so that was when I got really mad because I expected to see a certain number on the scale to met, you know, to like to verify good job, Jen, you're losing some more fat which was stupid because my pants were telling me that. I knew that I was getting smaller. So that was the day I realized no more scale for me because it was it was messing with my mind. So I had to throw it away so I wouldn't be tempted to get on it because really we're looking for a measure of progress and see what's happening with your clothes. Pay attention to that. You know, as you are able to fit into those pants better, you know, ignore what the scale is saying and pay attention to the pants. Always trust the pants. Perfect. <laughs> and then I think we can throw in two really okay. quick questions oh, yeah. before these we are go good. because they're, these actually came right around the same time and we hadn't had these before, which was interesting. And then we got both of these. So Jacqueline, subject is flavored chapstick. And she says, I just started IF about a week ago and your podcasts have been a huge help in getting me adjusted and ensuring I fast clean. I've heard you guys say before that if the, that if the brain perceives sweets entering the body, it will produce an insulin response. So I'm wondering if my mango flavored chapstick might actually set off this response since I can taste the sweet mango flavor while it's on my lips. I'm not too worried about it, but I was wondering if this is something that has come up before. Thanks. And then Delina, the subject is lipsticks and gloss. And she says, what are your thoughts on lipsticks and lip glosses and fasting? I find that many lipsticks, glosses, and even lip stains have flavors which seem to be sweet. Do you think these trigger an insulin response? And then, so I will say before going into the answer, which I think I know the answer for both of us, I have completely, as far as makeup goes, I now I avoid all like flavor, just in life, I, I avoid like all the additives and the chemicals and stuff like that. And I've completely um, like have gone through my makeup and have gone a really all natural route, which I found has made a huge difference, especially for the sensitive butterflies out there like me. As far as the flavors go and insulin, what are your thoughts, well, Jen? They they do call them flavors, you know, <laughs> and I think that, that that is a key right there. So theoretically, I mean, I don't think there's ever been an insulin response study on lip balm as far as I know, <laughs> but with the, with the insulin response that we're talking about, it is all about what your brain thinks is happening, right? So theoretically, could I imagine a situation where a mango flavored chapstick is causing your brain to think you're eating a mango? Well, yeah, I could imagine that. So I know you're not actually ingesting it. So I don't really know where the brain's like, oh, wait, but she didn't really eat anything. I don't know. So personally, I would avoid anything like that myself. And that might sound like overkill. I don't know. But I use Burt's Bees peppermint, and that um, you know, peppermint does not seem to be a problem for me. And I just use Burt's Bees peppermint all the time. I've used it; I have them always near me because <laughs> I just my lips love having that on there. But you know, if you want to be absolutely safe, pick something that your brain is not going to say, "Oh, I'm eating a mango." And I'm sorry to anybody who thinks this is overkill, but you know, theoretically, I could imagine perhaps it being a problem. What do you think, Melanie? I agree. It's really an individual case and you have to see, I mean, if it's making you like hungry right afterwards, I think that would definitely be a telling sign. Uh, I like the peppermint idea because pepper, peppermint actually tends to be an appetite suppressant. So I do think that's a good route to go. I'd recommend going an all natural route or something, yeah, stimulating like pepper, peppermint, spearmint, something like that. 
Yeah, that's a good question. It actually comes up all the time in the Facebook groups. So this is one I've thought of before because I've answered it a lot of times. <laughs> but as far as Delina asked about the regular lipsticks and glosses that just taste like like lipstick, what I wouldn't worry about that. But, you know, anything that's like cherry cola flavor or, you know, Dr. Pepper flavor. I mean, they actually make those. Have you seen them? Yeah. I remember them. Yeah. Don't buy those. <laughs> guess what they make now? Guess what I saw? Oh gosh, I can't even imagine. Guess what I saw when I was when I was walking through Ralph's, which is like Kroger. I have no idea. And I just didn't know what to do. Gluten free Pillsbury Funfetti cake. Remember I was always oh, like yeah. Ugh. Funfetti cake is like my one yeah. my one thing and good thing it has gluten because that's what keeps me away from it. Now they have gluten free. But then I, I but then I looked at the it's terrible. Oh, it's Look. it's it is. It's gonna have all the artificial. Like I bet there's not a single real ingredient in there. But I was like, no, curse you! I took a picture of the cover and I put, took a picture of the ingredients. I'm probably gonna Instagram it, but I didn't want it to be like a negative trigger for people. But um, yeah, see, I don't I don't like the way that stuff tastes. Ugh. See, ugh. oh, that's just awful. Like. <laughs> I think they invented that when I was early teaching, like, and that was super popular, like in the '90s, when they just invented it. And so, like, any kid who had a had cupcakes, they would bring those in, you know. Yeah. Oh, the cupcakes. Oh my god, disgusting! Oh. No. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, they're so good. <laughs> no, they're not. Oh good. my goodness. Uh. Uh-uh. Anything Pillsbury? Yeah, I just don't like, like it. I want to know what I want. It's something that that company. It's got to be something that that company. Had some chemical that company has found that just speaks to my brain. I guess because so. like they're slice, they're slice and bake cookies too. You love them. See, I don't like those either. <gasps> I just genuinely don't like them, and I really never have. Isn't that funny? So jealous. Yeah. Did you like the um? You know those uh, the, the the cookies that they always have that people always that kids always bring in. It's like the go to cookie. Or at least it was when I was in elementary school. It's like the soft cookie. It's, they're like really soft cookies with like a really stereotypical icing that they have at all the all. The oh, yeah. Stores. No, I hate those. I don't know what it's called. You know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, that gross cookie with the icing. It's like that cookie I with the icing. I hate those. Those are so bad. Oh, my gosh. See, so I also bad. can really taste artificial colors. Like if anything's got a lot of artificial colors in it, my taste buds pick it up and I don't like the flavor. Like, I'm very sensitive to the flavor of that. I'm a super taster. I think I've mentioned that before. So yeah. that's probably why I don't like those because they're full of the artificial flavor. I mean, the artificial colors. I don't like artificial colors. It's so bad. Yeah. It you. just doesn't taste anyway. good. You know. I would totally eat it if I loved it, people. But I don't. <laughs> I would not. I would. I love it. Yeah. Alrighty, so a few things before we go. So if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 56, that's where I said we'll put the links to all the references, the studies, all the things. You can go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and that's where we put all of the stuff that we like, not stuff like Pillsbury stuff that we like, <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, Sarah Peptase, and then depending on how my mattress goes, maybe the goat mattress will pop up. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we're going to hear about this we'll one. See. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, I cannot wait for follow-up on that. Next week, I'll let you know how the goats are doing. Yeah. And then um, also, you can follow us on Instagram. Our handle is ifpodcast. I would say you could follow us on Twitter, but I'm still working on that. And you can't follow and... me on Twitter. All right, you can't follow Jen because she's fake. <laughs> not it's, a, it's somebody else stole her account yeah. you can listen to last week's episode i think or two weeks ago for that um and lastly oh if you're in itunes you can subscribe to our podcast and you'll get the episodes downloaded automatically you won't even have to do anything and also if you're in itunes we would love 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 if you could write a brief review it really helps so much like really and i read them and jen doesn't just in case you're wondering um <laughs> But I read them. I read all of them. So thank you. And I thank and you too, even if I don't read them. I, I can't read reviews. Yes. I just can't. The good way's out, the bad. So. Well, I'm, I know, but I just still, I, I'm like, what? You said, oh, it hurts my feelings, so I can't read them. 
Uh, you know, it does happen sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. So this has been wonderful. It has. And I don't have anything else to say. No, but I will see you next week. All right. And then you'll have two, only two weeks of class after that? Well, yeah. I'm, I have 15 more teaching days of my teaching oh, wow. career right now, counting, you know, just the school days. And so it's really, crazy. yeah. And it's really, once you know it's the end, you're just like, oh, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to get through oh, the I, last part. I hear you. Yeah. And I love my kids. And so like the last day when it's like fifth grade graduation and I'm up there, I have awards to give that day and I'll, I'll be up there and there's going to be like a feeling of, I did it, you know, celebration. I'm going to be so excited, but I'm also probably going to like sob uncontrollably. You know, it's like I have such mixed emotions. I'm really happy to, um, you know, with teaching, the one thing that I'm tired of is managing behavior. I'm tired of managing children's behavior, but I love children and I love teaching children. So I'm going to be like laughing and crying and celebrating and sobbing and all of those things. It'll be a new chapter. It really will. And on that note, I will see y'all next week. See you next week. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.